1: Happy Tuesday, everybody! Today is May fourth, two thousand and twenty-one, and today's guest is none other than Duck Guide Doug Schmidt from the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. of the mernin to everybody out there. Today is episode 159, and it's a good one. Today's episode is with Doug Schmidt from the Working Class Bowhunter podcast, and I've said it on here before. I've had a lot of these guys on just because they're they're great dudes and they're good buddies of mine. So I, I love having them on. But today's guest is Doug Schmidt from the Working Class Bowhunter. If you haven't heard. About working class Bow Hunter, I feel like you guys should go over and listen to it because it's a good time. Um, those guys do awesome things, and just their conversation alone with the guests they have, it's second to none. I mean, they've been doing this a long time, and uh, I, I love listening to them every week. So go over and do that. So that's my first plug. Secondly, I got a couple things right up front that I want to get into just reminders for everybody. Um, before I get into this interview that I did with Doug. So go to our website on HeManimal. It's IamHeManimal.com. We've been putting up new content every week. I think last week we went live with two new turkey hunts. So if you go to the 989 story, um, there's two new turkey hunts on there. some written word as well. Uh, I'm getting ready to finish up some stuff. Basically, it's going to be finished as you guys are listening to this, but some stuff on the one acre. Uh, the one acre project, and I'll get into that here in a second. More what that is, but uh, some stuff on the one acre and the final chapter on the Great Hambino. Um, I actually got to go pick up the Hambino from the tax last week, so I kind of document document me going to pick them up and everything. So that'll be up there as well. Uh, if it's not up right now, as we're talking, you know, as this is going live on Tuesday morning, uh, it will be up this week. So look for that as well. So that was pretty cool. I'm, I'm glad to have him home and have him on the wall. I mean, he is, I haven't seen him in a long time, and honestly, anybody out there that likes taxidermy. I love taxidermy. So, you know, you, you obviously cape him out and you cut the antlers off him, and that was in November of 2019. And, you know, it, you kind of lose the effect of, like, how you saw him when you encountered him and got the opportunity to kill him. So... To get him back on a form and his hide and everything, oh, my gosh, it's it's crazy. He looks so good, so good. I, I just cannot believe, still cannot believe that that happened to me. But um, got him home safe and sound. He's on the wall, and I'm super pumped about that. So I guess those are kind of the only – Hot ticket items that I want to talk about real quick before I get into the a little dissertation here. Today's episode with Doug. Um, Doug's a big turkey hunter. Now we don't get into a ton of like strategy and everything. It's more of like a BS session with Doug. Doug's done a lot of turkey hunting, and I just wanted to do. I usually do one turkey hunting episode a year, and I've been wanting to you know sit down and bullshit with Doug. So that's what we did today. Um, this conversation is basically just based on his and I's experiences like what happened to us what what worked for us and what didn't um and some good stories in there and Doug's got some good stories but he is a wild man I mean if you guys don't know him he is a straight up wild man and if you do know him and you listen to him on Working Class Hunter, it's <laughs> you know that he's uh he looks just like Dale Earnhardt senior uh so he's like a younger version of that got one of the best mustaches in the game i mean his stash is is second to none in my opinion so he's got that going for him as well but um yeah that that's kind of as i'm dropping stuff on my desk that's kind of today's conversation and um it was a good one i really enjoyed it i appreciate doug coming on and doing this so if, doug if you're listening to this thank you very much buddy um so a little soft transition or hard transition whatever you want to do uh turkey season right now is going difficult for us uh, me and I've I've been out with a weapon in my hand one time this year but I've been filming quite a bit and calling for friends and honestly it's been tough in Michigan it's been cold unseasonably cold the birds just aren't out in the fields um I I, I don't know it's got something's got to give here soon we've got one more month left of turkey season and something's got to give. We've killed a couple birds, but nothing like we have in the past. I mean, we by this time in the season, we're usually I mean, a dozen birds in in our group that we've killed. So, and we're I think we're at uh, 4 or 5, maybe 6. So, we're we're a little behind right now. So, I'm going to guess this week we're going to be ramping up our hunting a little bit. Um It's been few far in between so far, but like I said, it's just either rain or really cold and the you know, if you don't get them off the roost, if you don't get tight in on the roost and you don't get them off a roost hunt, it's tough sledding throughout the day. I mean, we haven't killed any midday birds or late, you know, late in the afternoon birds yet. So that is tough. But things I think will change. And I'm I'm just getting to the point now where it's like I just wanna get one on the ground (laughs) and, and move on kind of thing. It's, I, it's just difficult. They're humbling creatures. I'll tell you, you know, just when you think they're dumb, you blink and they see it from two miles away and they're gone. And it's like, wow, okay, well got to regroup. So I don't know I I don't know how everybody else's seasons going out there I see a lot of people on social media knocking down birds which is awesome so congratulate congratulations to all you guys out there that are knocking down birds so keep that up uh, two things that I just actually thought of Michigan people or people that I guess want to come to Michigan and, and bear hunt um, Saturday last Saturday so May 1st bear uh, the application period for bear Michigan bear hunts when i or you can do it now it's the period it's this month may 1st to may 31st 30th i didn't guess i don't even know how many days are in may but yeah it's the month of may um i think it's may 1st to june 1st honestly is is, is the period so go on there and if you guys are interested in bear hunting in michigan or you know what you just want to apply for a point or something like that go do that i'm trying to figure out what i'm going to do I've talked about it in the past. I've got 13 points. I've saved up for 13 years. We don't really know the status on dropped yet cuz dropped usually happens in September and that's when bear you can bear hunt here and start and I want to get in before all like the dogs dog hunters get in there and run bears. So I want to get in there and and do it before then so they give you a a few day period before the dog hunters get in to hunt you know without dogs and just kind of do it free of no distractions. I guess you could say basically how it works is I think it's three or four days, something like that, that people can go in and hunt. And then like the fourth or fifth day dog hunters, they can start running dogs. And I'll tell you, my dad used to bear hunt in Michigan. And from the stories that he's told me, basically dog hunters will Will jump off your bait, and once they jump, bears off your bait and everything. It's it's very difficult. I don't know how how much truth is to that, but that's kind of once the dog hunters get in, things just get stirred around quite a bit, and you know the natural patterns are not like they used to be, uh, or not like they were without the pressure. So we'll see. Um, I really want to bear hunt this year, but I don't know. I we're trying to figure that out right now. So, uh, that is one thing I want to say, and then um what was the other thing i guess pff, i can't remember now oh uh merchandise the fall podcast merchandise okay so everybody's been reaching out to me and my my dumbass a while ago i guess i put it on an episode that i'm gonna do new merchandise so i have all the designs made a lot of people have been asking me like when's this stuff gonna go live so i just want to do an update on here to let everybody knows Let everybody knows. Let everybody know what is going on. So where we're at in the process is, all the designs are made. They're done. So the guy that I or the the company that I use for the garments, basically the shirts, hoodies, hats, and everything, things have basically went to a crawl just because of COVID. Uh, They can't get samples in. So what I'm doing is I'm trying to get samples in of the garments that I want and me, I'm really particular on the hoodies and shirts that I wear. So I want to get those garments in hand. I want them printed on it and then get them in hand to feel them, try them on, see how they fit and everything before I go live with it all. So right now I'm in the, I'm in the stage that we're at is we're still waiting on some of the samples to come in to get printed on. That's where we're at. It will happen eventually. Um, I have shown a few people, some of the designs I'm still trying to work on ways to be able to let everybody see these. And honestly, it might be just like on Instagram and Facebook, just put them up in a section so everybody can see them and then they can, you know, really figure out what they want. I've had a ton of people asking me. I just don't want to like put it out there yet and just get bombarded with like orders right now. Um, just because I do not know when these garments are going to be in. I'm talking to the company every week, and it's just kind of one of those things that like they're coming. We just don't know when they're going to be here. So um, I I think we've got uh, four or five five different uh, designs that are pretty cool. Um, I haven't designed a hat yet just because I'm really particular about hats, but right now is going to be a run of shirts and hoodies. Uh, Hats are going to be uh shortly coming in after. So um I wanna see what everybody's gonna want here. But like I said, I just wanted to update real quick and let everybody know. I will let you guys know as soon as I know when these things are like a go. So hopefully this month. That's what I'm hoping. But uh I think that was last last thing. I don't want to take too much time. I'm already at twelve minutes talking here so um, I guess with that being said, I'm going to get over this interview with, we interview with Doug. And lastly, I do it every week. Thank you guys very much for all the support, all the downloads. I, I'm very appreciative of it. Um, thank you. And uh, I guess with that being said, we're going to get over this interview with Doug. And thank you guys very much. All right. Welcome back to the Fall Podcast. And this week, I've got, I'm going to call you a podcast newbie for as far as a guest goes is that is that
2: pretty Uh, good can i say that that's uh this is my first one so yeah i'm a noob breaking a cherry
1: heck yeah man you know you uh, first of all doug schmidt we got doug on from the working class bow hunter podcast and this is baffling this is the first time you've ever been on someone else's podcast right
2: yeah by myself for sure
1: that's crazy man like what the hell you're you are basically dale earnhardt i mean you look just (laughs) like the guy you know? I appreciate
2: that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you don't get any publicity or anything like that from, from you know, your, it, at least your mustache. I mean, your mustache yeah, the, the,
2: is. basically it's done for the mustache. I can never <laughs> shave it down. It's kind of like a birthmark, you know, I can't get rid
1: of it. Oh my gosh. But, Doug, I, I want to say thank you for coming on and doing this. Um, oh, no problem. I, you know, I, I've i talked to a lot of you guys and got to know a lot of you guys. You and Eric, are, I haven't really talked to as much, um, but I want to, change that a little bit and i want to get you on i'm going to try to get him on too but i know you're a big turkey hunter and we're basically this is going to be live in turkey season so i want to bullshit turkey hunting with you if you don't mind
2: yeah that that i can do
1: it's different because i mean i pride myself on the whitetail podcast but you know what we're going to switch it up a little bit so everybody's turning their dial off right now because they don't want to listen to turkey hunting but i don't care
2: <laughs> hey i mean uh, I, we all live for whitetails but uh you know, turkey season comes around. It's always nice to get out there. For sure, I nice agree. Nice weather,
1: yeah. And it's cabin fever. You know, it's been colder and mm-hmm. shit all winter. Um, you know, and trying to trying to get out there. And honestly, so my neighbor right now, he's got uh, I'll call him pet turkeys or whatever. But in the morning, drinking coffee, in the in the sun is hasn't come up yet. But you know that gray light or whatever, you'll hear that that gobbler just. Sound off, and I'm like, oh. uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. I'm surprised he hasn't got I'm ready a, for it. I know, man. It's getting close. Well, we're recording this early April, so it'll it'll go live during turkey season. But I'm I'm chomping at the bit, and I guess that's the first thing I want to ask you is like, is turkey season for you? Like, do you look forward to it all year? Is there, or is it like something that you know around this time? you know, March, April, you're, like, really starting to get geared up for it.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I kind of do look for it every year, but, you know, when, you know, whitetails come, you, your mind changes a lot. Sure. You're set on that, but, you know, after January 10th for us in Iowa, whitetails are over. You know, you get shed hunting and stuff, but uh, turkey's always on my mind sometimes. Yeah. Because you, you see them bow hunting stuff, so you like... I see a long beard, you're like, oh man.
1: <laughs> now, when you do see that, like in the fall, because when I see turkeys in the fall when I'm deer hunting, she's like, ah, there's some turkeys. You know, I never really think, like, man, you know, I, I can't wait for turkey season. I don't know why. It's just whitetails have always rivaled it for me, but she's like, ah, that's fun to watch. For you, is it like, man, you know, I'm chomping at the bit here. You got a pretty big beard. I'm going to be after <laughs> you this spring. Is that something for you?
2: Yeah, yeah, I scout them out. I pick out my one I'm going to kill this year. Uh, it's kind of like that. I mean, we can get a, a fall turkey tag, so you can't shoot them, but like on yep. the places I hunt, you really don't get that much of a chance.
1: Okay. And now you're in Iowa, right? You live in Iowa? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got best of both worlds. you got great eastern turkey hunt, and you've got, I mean, the land of the giants for the whitetails, too.
2: Oh yeah, I got I got the whole shebang over here. So you're
1: basically you're you're just a spoiled brat, is what we can call you.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I was blessed to be born in Iowa. I'll say that. <laughs> I love
1: like, I love giving Iowa people shit because.
2: Oh, yeah, I'll take it all because <laughs> I'm here. You guys aren't.
1: <laughs> oh man, and I don't know if you've ever been anywhere else other than Iowa turkey hunting. Uh, I've
2: been to Kansas. Okay, with, Kansas uh, is good turkey hunting.
1: Okay, yep. Now Michigan, I will put michigan turkey hunting i equate michigan turkey hunting to like iowa deer hunting it's just we've got a lot of birds and we've got some big birds mean, my dad's shot a couple birds in the low 30 pounders like yeah just massive birds and uh, monsters yeah and you know they're tough birds i will say that and um but man they they turkeys to me are just humbling creatures they're uglier and shit and you think they're dumb and then they see you open up the truck door from two miles away and they're like gone, you know, right? it's like, what the just hell? A glimpse and they're gone. <laughs>
2: yeah. And then other times you just seem like you can walk out there and blast one. It's uh turkey hunting always interests me just because of the, you know, one day they come running right in and you get one. The yeah. next, you know, three days you're sitting there not seeing shit.
1: Yep. So turkeys to me were meant to be shot in the face with a shotgun. So do you feel the same way? I mean, I've shot a lot of birds with a, tur- with a, with a bow. Um, mm-hmm. but are you more partial to a bow or a shotgun right to the beak?
2: Um, so I grew up, I mean, since I was 12, 12 to I'm probably since on the start of the podcast, I killed one birth of bow before that. So, I mean, I was always a running gun kind of guy, sit up next to a fence post and put out the decoys and call them in. But now uh, I would say I'm all bow. I bought all bow takes this year. So, Oh
1: really? So, do you have to specify what tag you buy for what weapon?
2: So, in Iowa, um, there's four seasons. And then uh, if you get a gun tag, it can only be for one season. Okay. But if you get a bow tag, it's for all seasons.
1: And can you kill more than one bird?
2: Yes. So, if I buy two bow tags, I can kill two birds, like, you know, if they both come in. Oh, that's nice. So, I hope that happens this year. I haven't had it happen yet with a bow, but.
1: So you have you never doubled up on birds in a year? Then?
2: Uh, I doubled up with my uh, my mom and uh, my brother before.
1: Okay, I gotcha.
2: But not solo by myself with the bow, so hopefully this year happens. We'll see.
1: Yep. What's the biggest tom or biggest turkey you've taken?
2: Um, I actually just got picked up mine yesterday from, uh, you know, Mark Reif from uh, the podcast. He's a tax journalist. Yeah. Yep, yep. I actually just picked mine up. It was a 20 and a half pounds with 11 11 and a half inch beard and I think one and three quarter spurs.
1: Holy shit, man. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a bowling ball. (laughs) That That thing's a hammer.
2: Wow. I love the gun though, so. That's all right. How'd you get them mounted? Uh, I just did a fan and then on a plaque. Okay. And then Mark kind of spiced up the spurs for me. It looked yep. pretty nice. I got gotcha. you. And then uh, it can hold two more beards, so hopefully, I add to that.
1: Oh, so he made a plaque where you can put multiple beards on it, then.
2: Yeah, he ordered one for me.
1: Nice, good deal. Now, turkey hunting in Iowa—I've never done it, and I'm sure it's a lot of the same around, you know, the turkey woods throughout the Midwest. But like, what is, what is, is there anything unique to Iowa when when it comes to turkey hunting? Um, mm. I mean, is it landscapes? Is it big where you're at? Is it rolling hills? Is it flat in a pancake? Like, what do you got?
2: Uh, you got a mix of, uh, a little steep ridges, but mostly you hunt fields and go from there, but you can get in the timber on them and roost them. But where I hunt, you can't really roost them. You got to call them into the field. So I usually go from, you know, the field and hopefully they come in.
1: Okay. So you're not roosting them like night before or day before or anything like that? No, I,
2: I've roosted them before on public, but. I just take the private
1: now. Okay. So that's one thing I really like to do, and that's how my philosophy changes a little bit. Like if I can roost a bird, if I know what tree he's in, I'm getting as tight as humanly possible. Like I'll get out ass early in the morning, like dark, 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 to mm-hmm. try to get as tight as I can to get underneath him. Is that kind of something you like to do if you do roost a bird?
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean, you want to get as close as possible. You want to be – you want to be where they want, where they're landing. You know, like yeah. if you can do a few yelps to let them know you're there, and they'll come right in. Usually.
1: Yep. So let's say c- scenario here, hypothetical, and I know it's can be very situational, but let's say you've got a tom roosted, and you set up on on him in the morning before daylight. How are you mm. working him while he's on the limb? Like, are you talking to him a lot, or what kind of calling are you doing? Uh, like, what's your philosophy uh, in the morning before he even flies down?
2: I would say uh, I'm more of a aggressive caller. Okay. So I usually wait until uh, I hear a gobble. Usually, and if it's not even in, but and then you kind of give a few yelps to let them know you're there at least. I mean, they got good eyesight, so they probably see your decoys. Hopefully. Yep. But uh, you know, start talking dirty to them. <laughs> 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 oh, I
1: love it. You I know gotta you're s-
2: available, you know?
1: <laughs> now, do you like to sound like the single girl at the bar, or is it more, I mean, is she, are you not drunk yet, or are you more of like, you're sober, but you're just out there mingling, <laughs> ready, or, you know, what, what kind of girl are you, like, trying to sound like?
2: I'm probably, uh... <laughs> The hammer chick at the bar, <laughs> ready to go home. So does your <laughs> yelp
1: like cut halfway off through in the in the <laughs> middle, like
2: yow yow wow. <laughs> like, so- <laughs> uh, I'll throw some some long yelps out there, but uh, I just let them know that uh, I'm out there. <laughs> Buy me a drink, you know.
1: What's the best way to tell a Tom that you're single through your calling? <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, I like to do some loud yelping, so. Uh, you know, like that drinker at the bar is always the loudest.
1: She is. And she's, you know, usually. She gets your attention though. You always
2: look at her. <laughs> oh my gosh. Think about uh, it. If you're at the bar, everyone's looking at her. Like, what I, the hell? It's true.
1: I mean, it is true. <laughs> but I guess if we can figure out how to tell Toms that we are single as the hen, I mean, we've got well, it's it made. Game over. It's game easy. over.
2: Almost too easy then.
1: You know, and then you got. A group of like three or four Jakes come in, and then your Tom—he's subordinate. he's just thinks he's gonna get his butt kicked. Uh, <laughs> so many yeah, scenarios. Yeah, are the
2: worst. <laughs> <Yeah>. those ones <laughs> are hard to, to yeah. get in.
1: Are you? Somewhat on a more serious note, when you're when you're yelping to him in the in the tree, are you? When it gets to the point of like thinking he's gonna fly down, or you want him to fly down? Are you doing any fly down cackles or anything like that?
2: uh no i usually don't do that but um i've heard people do that and then like the wing take like, your hat and flop it on the ground yep, yep i've never really experienced with that i mean i usually just yelping at them and then maybe some prayers and stuff they'll uh hopefully they're interested enough to fly down
1: yeah now when you're yelping and doing a couple soft purrs or whatever obviously to a turkey i mean he can hear and see really well so he knows that hen is on the ground like you're he knows where that call's coming from yeah so like if it's you know obviously you know that time where it's not like really light for that they're gonna be flying down are you calling before they would normally fly down or is it like are you waiting for a certain light to be out there you know what i mean like you don't want to sound like like a hen yeah, you, you is li- like yeah that, um... yep are you doing that at all or are you waiting for like a certain time to like, okay, they would be down, so I'm going to start calling to kind of like maybe throw the Philly fake out in there maybe?
2: <laughs> I, uh, I usually like to call before they fly down, actually. So okay. So I like to let them know because where I hunt, uh, my parents' farm, uh, they roost in the neighbors in the timber, and they'll come out to the field. So I usually let them know, you know, drunk girl's out there already partying.
1: <laughs> She's out there early in the morning and hasn't went to bed yeah. yet.
2: We need to to make our own mouth call called the drunk girl at the bar. uh, Dude,
1: the drunk girl. And then we can make one called the the walk of shame.
2: Yeah, the walk of shame, yeah.
1: Let's do something like that. We should actually name a decoy. (laughs) Like, let's make a decoy that's called the walk of shame. You know, you got the feeder hens, you got the breeding hens, you got the leading hens. Let's do a walk of shame hen.
2: Yeah, it's already all dusty, too. Yeah. Perfect.
1: And she's got, like, only three tail feathers. Like, you know, she just beat up, you know.
2: It's just this is a rough-looking butt.
1: And then you could you could even have, like, a little cigarette if you wanted that you could put in her mouth if you wanted or not.
2: There you if, go. I
1: think we're or hunting we, somewhere. Uh,
2: yeah, or we have, like, uh? we'll call it the brunch. A bunch <laughs> of girls <villas> out there. <laughs>
1: just, just a gaggle of them. Just a whole bunch of them. I
2: mean, What time could pass that up, you know?
1: I mean... If not a Tom, you're gonna at least attract three or four Jakes.
2: Oh, for sure. And goddamn Jakes.
1: I mean, a lot of times I'm not above it. You know, you know. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. I I try not shooting them anymore, but yep. It's actually funny in Kansas. We uh, it's like an eight-hour drive. Me and Kurt and uh, Papa Dave were going down there. You know, I said to myself, "I was like, there's no way I'm shooting Jake. Like driving eight hours, (laughs) I'm gonna get a, a mature Rio." For my first turkey, my first Rio, and we get there and we get out. It's me and Blake from Prairie Storm, and this Jake comes. He looks like a tom coming in the whole time. He's, it's like perfect footage. He's like, it's a Jake. I'm like,
1: fuck. Did he fan out?
2: Yeah, he fan. He was gobbling, fanning out, and everything. Come run right in the decoys, and you know I have a bow. We're sitting on the ground, no blind. Yep. I'm just like, fuck it. I'm shooting it. It's too perfect. (laughs)
1: did he have a tom fan or a jake fan then
2: he had uh it, it was almost a tom fan he, okay he so he's trying yeah he's trying he definitely had a jake beard though
1: okay you know i i've blown up a lot of jakes in my life you know and now to the point where see in michigan we only get one tag we can only kill one oh, okay. bird which sucks but um you know i've killed quite a few turkeys and i've got a you know my closest friends they're turkey hunters but they you know they haven't killed a, a lot of birds, and I just like going to calling. I like you know you mm-hmm. guys kill birds first. Let's go around and do some Rochambeaus. We'll do like a weekend where the four of us get get together and we'll just you know try to be like a whole bunch of women at the bar, I guess, and go around and, and get <laughs> gobblers all, all spiced go. up and get them to come into the calls. And that's some of the best times though. Like I oh have,
2: yeah, when you wish your buddies is the best.
1: Yeah, and. You know, we usually I don't have a camera or nothing, so it's it's time for me to like let my hair down and just kind of like, you know, like we used to do it when we were kids. And because I have a camera either with me or on me all the time, so it's like that's nice Mm -hmm. to be able to just take your calls out and sit on a freaking stump and just call and see what happens. That's a lot of fun for me. So
2: yeah, it'd it'd be nice to do that again. Usually now we have a camera everywhere, but
1: yeah. That's the that's nice the world we live in, down, Doug. Just
2: <laughs> track them down and blast their faces off.
1: Yep, for sure. So, are you? Do you like hunting out of a blind, or is it more like I want to find a stump or a deadfall?
2: Uh, now that I go bow, I'm a big fan of a blind because you know all the camera stuff and. Oh yeah, yeah. If you have something with you, yeah, it just makes everything pulling a bow back is so much easier. Like they they don't even know it's coming.
1: Are you are you not going to jump on the double barrel crossbow this year?
2: I thought about it. I figured you might be yeah. that guy that you'd want to do day, that. I'll
1: do it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I a he, Kurt might not let you do it. He might. Nah, ha, he, he might.
2: He, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He, he might he, fire I'd you from the podcast. The podcast. <laughs> yeah, that'd be uh, funny if I did that.
1: <laughs> I think what you should do is get one. Don't tell anybody about it. Go shoot a bird with with two bolts, and then take a picture of it, and then just. You know, say, hey, let's do a podcast about my turkey hunt and then give him that for your cover
2: art and see what he says. There you go, yeah. <laughs> just like mid podcast laid <laughs> on with a shot of with actually. Yeah. Like
1: you're an hour in. So guys, I've got a little <laughs> something to tell you here. Uh shot I've this got with a double. <laughs>
2: trusty, but send me one and we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my gosh, I love it. Um what I, I get okay, so talking about turkeys, I, I just love hearing other stories, what is your favorite turkey hunt of all time you've ever been on?
2: Ooh, of all time. Um, Putting you on the spot. I guess uh, my first turkey with a bow, I was hunting with uh, my buddy Clayton. He's on uh, the Working Cloud's bow hunter team. And uh, we put out every decoy we had. So we had 12 decoys out. Holy shit. Yeah, we (laughs) we had a flock. We were so bored in the afternoon. Because in Iowa, you can hunt in the afternoon, so we are so bored.
1: Yeah, we can do that, too. We can hunt all day. Yeah. It
2: was a hot-ass day, and uh, <laughs> these three toms come in, but they're hung up because we got 12 decoys. <laughs> we got, like, two strutters and three jakes out there, and the rest are hens.
1: <laughs> you have literally a gaggle of decoys.
2: <laughs> it was a party, yeah. And they didn't really want to party, so they got, I think, we finally got one of 35 yards. And I, I shot it I shot up the ass. But it flew away. And Clayton takes off running for it. And it, it flew across a whole cornfield to a creek. <laughs> Finally, like, gets in some brush and tried hiding. And we found him. I catch up to him. And I didn't bring my bow. And he's still alive. I'm like, son of a bitch. So, oh. I run back there, grab both bows, <laughs> get there. I'm, I mean, this is like... 500 yards. I'm, I'm. It's hot out. I'm tired. Out of shade probably. <laughs> too much. And I go to shoot it. I miss it. It goes more into the brush. I'm like, shit. It's across this big ass crick. Oh my gosh. Then I shoot again and I miss. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, probably, I think I missed like two or three times. Finally hit it. Finally kill it. And then we go to cross it. And Clayton gets there and he's like, oh, it's not that bad. And he, Takes one more step. He's chest deep, in water. Ugh. <laughs> he's just so. Gets over there to grab it. It wasn't even dead yet, so it
1: oh took my off gosh. a little more.
2: Finally caught it. It was all wet. Just a. Uh, it was just a pretty a big bird, but. Uh, yeah, it was. It was a shit show.
1: <sighs> to say the least. I mean, when you were running across that field. Did you have your mustache? Was it like pretty big, wind oh, resistant? No, it's, going through
2: there. This is pretty. This is pretty mustache. Oh, this is slick face. pretty college, yeah. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you.
1: So then your aerodynamics—you were you were pretty quick then. You were scurrying right across that oh, field. Yeah.
2: You should see without the mustache. That was, I was the flash out there. <laughs> the flash. It me down now. <laughs> oh, a little resistance.
1: A little rut, <laughs> little rudder resistance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it.
2: Uh, I still got it though. I think Maybe. I could probably trace one down still. There you go, just a
1: track star over there running four two forties, just lickety split. <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm not.
1: I don't have very good top end, but I'm quick off the jump. I mean, I got two three two three steps on you, and then my top end really slows right really down.
2: I, I mean, I, I gotta say I'm probably the fastest one in the world class, but
1: <laughs> okay,
2: that I mean, one time and I beat him,
1: <laughs> that has to be. That has to be documented. I gotta see it now. I'm I mean, actually some of them running. It's
2: I'm not impressed.
1: I'm actually gonna <laughs> probably put my I'm gonna put my money on either Austin or Ross because
2: I mean, Austin's got those long legs. That's true.
1: I feel like Ross is built like a little fullback. Like, <laughs> n- and I feel like he could get you.
2: <laughs> he, he might be able to. I don't, We'll have to see. Austin's got some long legs though. Yeah, maybe a turkey palooza. I'll, I'll see how fast they run.
1: <laughs> Either that or I'm trying to come out to the shoot. So if I'm at the shoot, fair, I'm yeah. documenting this. Oh, boy. Oh, gosh, that'd be great. So when you are hunting with a shotgun, what what uh, what is your weapon of choice? Like, what are you looking at?
2: Uh, I got a, my baby, a 12-gauge Super Mag 870 Remington. Oh, yeah. Three and a half inch, yeah. Yep. That's the one you uh, you shoot once for target practice and you, your shoulder hurts and you say you're good.
1: <laughs> so I've got a story about, I've got the same gun, okay? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> my dad. My you dad know. my dad bought me this gun. I was so we can turkey out when we we're twelve here in Michigan. And mm-hmm. um, so let's put it into perspective. When I graduated high school, I was five ten, hundred and forty five pounds soaking wet. Like I was just a just a Little needle, yeah. you know, I' was gonna go bad, yeah. yeah. so when I was twelve, this is you know, six or so years before then, i'm I'm like maybe eighty pounds, okay? My dad buys me this this Remington eight seventy shooting three and a halfs out of it. <clears throat> and that's what you said you had Remington eight seventy, right? yep, yeah. and so my dad we're we're gonna pattern it for the first time. He puts it together. It's you know, coming into the spring. And uh, he's like, oh, I'm gonna shoot it first, and I'm behind him. I'm sitting behind him, and uh, I'm gonna shoot it first, and yada yada. He shoots it unbeknownst to me. He tells me this later in life. He's like, it kicked my ass. He's like, oh, yeah. he, he's like, it kicked me hard. So he doesn't say anything to me. Me being a 12 year old little <laughs> you know little kid, puts me right on. What could it hurt? Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What what could it hurt? Puts, he's like shoulder it up, hold it tight, hold it tight right to your, you know, your cheek and everything. Put it right on the turkey's head, and we're just patterning it and everything. And ho, boom! I let it go, and he, said, <laughs> I remember like doing a barrel roll, literally back, and then knocking me right on my ass. I mean, I was already sitting down, but it was like I literally did went ass over tea kettle. And oh, uh, yeah, I believe it. He goes, he said from his perspective, he's like, you looked up at me and you had a deer in the headlight look, and he goes. He said, "You said let's shoot it again. I want to shoot it again." And he's like, "Nope, it patterned all right, so he didn't want me to shoot <laughs> it again."
2: Um, it's actually a funny story. Um, when I was probably yeah, I was probably twelve. My brother's fourteen. There was a Tom strutting down in a lower field, so my dad took us down there. We snuck up to the field edge. He's probably now forty yards out there. So my dad let him use this, his super mag. Yep. And he he did the same thing. He shot once, and he barreled back. The Tom, I mean hell I don't know, it was a long time ago, but uh the Tom didn't even move. Like he was just out there with turkeys. <laughs> and my dad's like, You want to shoot it again? And my brother's like, No, I'm good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we didn't get a turkey that day, but and they looked at me and I was just, you know, <laughs> I'm not touching that thing. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. And so my dad, he hunts with a single gauge ten gauge or single shot ten gauge. And oh
2: boy.
1: like I remember one time I was younger and we were, we're sitting there on a bird. It was right after uh, a roost hunt and we kind of got up and we're trying to, so my property that I, my family farm, it's like 210 acres. Well, it's got a trail system through the whole property. So what we would do all day is literally walk the trails throughout the timber and it's pretty rolling hills. And we just try to strike up a bird. If we can get one struck up, you know, we'll go after him. Yep. Well, we get done with the roost hunt, and, you know, we knew the gig. It was like, just let's just walk around and strike up a bird. Well, we finally get one struck up, and we're like, hurry up, sit down, set the deeks up, and we sit down. I'm sitting behind my dad. I wasn't hunting, I was too young or whatever, but he's, he's sitting there, and all of a sudden, you know, we're calling, yep, 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 and yelping and everything. Out of nowhere, here comes this coyote from the right, and he's coming in, and he puts the bead on him, rolls this dog, okay? I mean, <laughs> shoots him right in the face, like rolls Beautiful. this thing. And I'm like, this is single shot 10-gauge. I mean, I've seen him shoot through saplings. Like, <laughs> like you know, you, you um when you do a, like a clear cut and you get those popple shoots and everything that come back that are probably three inches in diameter maybe, I've seen him shoot through saplings and the sapling just, just timber, you know, <laughs> like – Single oh, yeah. shot. I I never understood why he needed a single shot ten gauge, but anyway, rolls this dog. I'm like, this dog is done. Gets right up, runs right off, and I'm like, holy crap, you know. But Damn. um, tough dog. But I guess I really don't know what's going with this story. Other than <laughs> other than rolling a coyote with a single shot ten gauge was pretty cool to see.
2: Oh yeah, that would be awesome.
1: <laughs> how many have you ever had any coyotes coming in and bust your setups or anything like that?
2: I never had. Um, I've had them come in before Turkey showed up and after, but never uh, like while Tom was coming in or anything. Okay. So maybe they ruined it before I even knew it. But yep. I never had them actually come in the decoys either. They they uh, tend to stay away.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. I've seen. I don't know if you've seen those videos like on social media or anything like that. Like de- the couple people have, you know, coyotes coming into decoys and like destroying the decoys,
2: almost like yeah, that would be them. pretty awesome. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that and then sticking them with an the arrow.
1: What would be your holy grail turkey? Like, what would that look like? Like size? You know, Ooh. like what would be like a big bird to you?
2: I would say uh, over thirty pounds, and then um, eleven and a half or bigger beard. And then I mean, I've always wanted to kill of two-inch spurge, but that—that's a hard one to. That's huge. It's a hard one to get.
1: That's so big. I think the biggest beard I've seen, again, my dad's a big turkey hunter. He shot one uh, that was just touching 12, a a beard, just touching 12. Like it was like one of the last strands, you know what I mean? That was just like you can eke it out, you know, like one of those that just touching 12.
2: Oh, yeah, you got to count that. My dad has one. um, We bought the farm in 95, so I was four, but uh, I think in the 90s. He shot one in the back of a triangle patch that was uh he's got a full body mounted to this day and uh I think it was thirty two pounds. Holy shit. Uh almost I think it was almost twelve inch beard and then uh like one and it was almost two in spurs too. Wow. Such a big kid. bird. Yeah. Jeez. What just like in White Tails, you know, I can't catch him. He's got a two oh three, non typical. I just
1: your just dad does? Him.
2: Yeah jeez 20 yeah the 22 pointer from iowa typical eight yeah typical eight pointer too so he's a mainframe eight pointer and just has trash yeah
1: and he was what 20 what
2: 203
1: holy cow
2: yeah
1: yeah you can't catch him you've got a lot you got big shoes to fill doug
2: yeah He's he's a tough bastard to catch you know they will rub it in your face too, they'll let you know. The time you <laughs> <should>.
1: <laughs> well, your mom killed a pretty good deer a couple years ago, didn't she? Or last year or something like that.
2: Um, so last year, early mother, she killed a 162 inch ten pointer, and then uh, this year she killed a 172 inch ten pointer. So,
1: jeez.
2: Yeah, I'm just doing all the scouting for him. I just
1: I was going to say a land
2: management guy. I need a new job.
1: You're just land management slash guide slash guide. Yeah. Well, you're you're a big duck guide though, right? Too.
2: <laughs> i was wondering if i was gonna get brought up or not.
1: <laughs> if anybody doesn't know what i'm talking about duck guy doug you just got to go to work class bowhunter podcast and listen to the episodes until you can find that episode yeah
2: that one that one took off like wildfire i wasn't prepared for that one. i
1: do have a question to ask you what happened to the podcast recently with the drury guys that you were not on oh, what, what happened there i i <laughs> why weren't you on that podcast doug I was there. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> you were a warm human. That's all you were. Yeah, let's just say uh, trade. You know, you had a trade show, drinking all day. You get back after eating a bunch of food too. Uh, you know, sometimes yeah, take a nap.
1: <laughs> Did you go into a coma or was it like just just a little cat nap? I think it was
2: I think it was like a little food coma. Yeah, <laughs> when
1: when. I don't know who it was, who said it. I think it was Kurt or something. He goes, hey, Doug, glad you could join us.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like, I, uh, what's going I, on here? I think uh, I haven't listened to that podcast yet. I think I'm going to stay away from that one. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. Tough
2: crowd I'd to be around those guys I'd, though, right? I'd say it happens, but uh, that's the first time for me.
1: Uh, you'll get that on those big jobs. <laughs> you'll have to on those big jobs. <laughs>
2: I mean you have Greg on from Dre outdoors killing three two hundred inches in four years, my mind was too blown, you know I mean, Couldn't comprehend it, dude,
1: that guy is a straight killer, like mm-hmm. what was it three two hundred awesome inches in four kid.
2: years? yeah, and then uh one of the years he killed the one ninety four so I mean I mean might as well be talk a about a guy injury. that knows how to kill big deer,
1: yeah, no kidding what's uh what's your biggest deer? Not that it matters, but I just curious
2: uh when I was fourteen. And new season, I shot a 176, 14-point.
1: So you tripped into one. Yeah, I actually did tripping into that <laughs> I'm one. I'm kidding. I didn't, know that. I didn't kidding. know that one was there, actually. I'm kidding. I'm just trying to be a hard-ass. <laughs> that was before we did
2: trail cameras. So.
1: What was that all about? Like, what uh, what was the story behind that?
2: Uh, the 176? Yeah. So we found, uh, well, it was my biggest shed till this year, Um I found a 82 inside five point with a kicker off the G two and we we're going in to kill him. But I mean, I'm 14. If like a 150 walked out. I was going to shoot it anyways. Right. I had my uncle with me and, uh, you know, this big one walks out and he's like, you want to shoot it? And like, he, I think he, he really wanted me to kill the big, you know, 180 inch 10 pointer. But yeah. uh, this one walks out and he hands me the binoculars. You want to shoot? him? I didn't even look at the binoculars. I'm like, I'm just shaking in my pants already so what were you thinking when this thing came out i mean i've never seen on the hoof anything that big at 14 so hell you know like when you're 14 you see a 120 inch or you're like damn that's a big deer
1: doug at 14 i was trying to kill a 100 inch deer yeah right (laughs) you know what i mean
2: i mean by that time i only had i think two bucks killed yeah and they're all like you know first one i killed was 100 inches probably and then uh probably 115, so you see a 176 walk out, it's pretty amazing.
1: But did you really think, like, now that we know, like, what a set, like a one, we know what a 170 is, did you know at that time, like...
2: No, I had no idea.
1: yeah To me, that, like, that's crazy. at
2: 14, I thought it was, like, a 200-inch steered Really? Yeah. That's nuts. And still, now, I mean, he's got a bunch of junk, he probably still, I mean, of course, I'd still shoot him any time of the day now, but...
1: Right. So he came out and you just you just popped him. Oh, yeah, I
2: mean he he probably was out there for two minutes before I blasted him. <laughs> when
1: he asked you if you want to see the binoculars, you are like, "Hell no!" Give me the gun. <laughs> I, I, I,
2: I I like did like the Philly fake. I, like, <laughs> I put them up to my face. I wasn't even looking. I was just looking at the deer the whole time. I even looked at the binoculars.
1: <laughs> I can imagine you just lift him up, don't even touch your eyes, and you put him back down. <laughs> Give me the yeah. gun. Give me the gun. Oh man, that's fantastic. Uh, oh yeah. So when you killed that deer, was that like, was there a big turning point? Do you remember at that point? It was like, wow, like I, I really accomplished something and did something change uh, for you?
2: Yeah. For me, I mean, I, like I said, my dad killed a 200 inch in the eighties. I mean, I grew up, I mean, I was born with a 200 inch deer on the wall already. So staring at that and my, my whole family hunts, they all had big deer already. So, I mean, I was. I knew I was going to get in the mix of shooting big ones. I didn't know it was going to start at 14, but right after that, I was kind of a turning point of it can be done. So
1: yep, have always
2: been a 150 or bigger kind of guy really? since then.
1: Well, I mean, you live amongst them in Iowa.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're around every tree, right? Exactly.
1: That's what everybody says, man. <laughs> but I, I, I guess because it's kind of an ongoing joke around me like, we have a youth hunt that, I mean, every state's got a youth hunt. Our youth hunt comes in about mid-September to, like, around the 20th of September. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Um, and I I hate it for the fact that a lot of kids that I went to high school with, it ruined kids. Like, they'd go out and shoot 150, 160-inch deer in, in September. And, like, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to get more kids and more people, you know younger generation into hunting well i feel like the the people around me it kind of did like the reverse effect to it where it was like they didn't really latch onto it um but they go out and kill this giant deer on such a pattern that i mean it's only a matter of time you just got to sit in the blind you know what i mean so so when you killed this deer was it Something like now, looking back, were you almost uh I guess what's the word for them? like spoiled, you know, as a fourteen year old where you're like, man, now, you know, do you feel like you have something that you need to uphold, like you need to get back to that or you need to stay at a certain level to feel like you're accomplishing anything to yourself
2: um I guess to a certain point, yeah, I mean, that was you know. Going for 150 or bigger from there. But I mean, like I said, my whole family's already doing it. I mean, I already knew, uh, like, they're already teaching me how to, you know, kill big deer. Right. But uh, I wouldn't say I went to that extent where it had ruined deer hunting for me. I mean, obviously. Since, right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> still it, it, deer hunting, I think. Exactly. And, and that's and all my you do. my first bow buck when I was 16 was probably only 120 inches. So, yep. And then so, this year I killed 100. Thirty-inch eight-pointer, last day of the season. So I mean, it's still like I don't know. It's it didn't humble me like that or anything. Like where I, it ruined deer hunting for me. It it almost sparked a fire more to you know kill just as big deer or bigger from there.
1: Yep. So now, okay. So you killed a hundred and thirty-inch deer this last year, last day of season. Did you ever feel guilty about that deer?
2: Um. I guess a little bit. I mean, he was on the—he was on my parents' farm. I mean, I've seen him. I didn't—I didn't get the opportunity to shoot him before, but I mean, I've seen him four or five times before that hunting. Yep. I was after this really old mature eight-pointer. That's probably like 140 inches, but last day of season. I mean, he came out and it was kind of weird. I mean, actually, i talks on our own podcast. Yeah, we haven't podcasted about it. Oh, maybe we, <laughs> but, maybe
1: um, maybe we shouldn't talk about this. Kurt might no, yeah,
2: no, no <laughs> but um. He was out there 300 yards. I mean, I didn't think he was going to come in. And then, you know, 20 minutes left in the, the season, he uh, a little buck was in front of him, and they just – and the little buck just, like, literally ran, like, right at me, like 60 yards, and he just followed him. I was like, well, meant to be, it's meant to be. So yep, just laid the hammer on him.
1: Were you – ecstatic about that. I mean, you watched him come from 300 yards. So you had time to think about it. I mean,
2: oh yeah did I mean, you have to was... talk
1: yourself into it or was it like, no, oh, like no. I'm killing once this
2: he, thing. Uh, once he got in range, I was like, it's, it's going down.
1: I like that. I like that. Cause you've killed some giant deer, man. Like you, and you live in Iowa. So I, and this is the question I want, I've been wanting to ask like you and Eric, cause you, you both live in Iowa. And mm-hmm. do you feel like living in Iowa you have to be held to a certain standard like to your to to see or to show everybody that you're like an accomplished hunter do you feel like you have something over your head that you need to be at a certain standard like you need to kill a certain animal
2: yeah I would agree with that yeah I feel like you know you say you're from Iowa people want to see pictures right away what you killed to see um if you're up to the st- i guess the Iowa standard right game, right like 150 or bigger
1: yep now when you show people that picture of the 130 inch deer even if you do or are you not showing people that you know what i mean like if people ask and like yeah i killed this one are you showing them or are you like just yeah fly under the radar there
2: i mean i'd probably show them i mean i figure that's what i killed you know last season i, yeah. don't, I mean it don't bother me none you can make fun of me if you want, but uh it's on the wall. So
1: <laughs> no, a hundred percent, man. And and that I'm not trying to, you know, get dirt on you or anything like that or make fun of you. That's because that's what I come from. Like, you know, I talk about it all the time. Like, I don't get me wrong. I want to shoot the biggest deer out there, and I love hearing stories about big deer dying. Mm-hmm. But like for you to go out and shoot a 130 inch deer and just be so jacked about it, I freaking that fires me up, man. I love that. Oh
2: yeah, it was- you know. It was actually pretty funny because it was um, my parents' farm. Uh, their backyard goes into a cornfield, and it's like a huge, you know, 100 acre cornfield. And uh, they actually watched, like they could watch me from my back the backyard. I mean, I was probably 400 yards away from them, but they could see the deer through the spines. No kidding, kill on that. Yeah,
1: that's really cool.
2: I was I was pretty jacked up about. It. I mean, I hunted hunted my ass off both season. I mean, I was in the tree almost every after work. You know. Yep. I get, um, every other week I get three days, three days, uh, three day week in the hunt. So, I mean, I've been in the tree since October and it wears you down. I know that.
1: Hell yeah, man. And you took it down to the wire. I mean, the last 20 minutes you said?
2: Yeah. Last 20 minutes.
1: That's grinding out, man. And, and, and I, you know, I, I just, like I said, big deer, you know, make people go crazy and I love big Mm -hmm. deer. I love chasing big deer, but. Honestly, I mean, if I can kill 115 or 120 inch here, here in Michigan, I am jacked. Like, you know what I mean? Because I know the real, the realistic. Yeah. Realistic. I mean, the, how would you want to say it? The relative, what the deer are around me. You know, you got to be, you know, you got to be realistic with yourself. And I can't kill 160 inch deer here because I don't have them on my farm. Um, mm-hmm. So. I would. I'm just curious because I don't talk to a ton of guys from Iowa that have hunted there their whole life, and I feel like you guys are put on a pedestal without being like without being want or wanting to be put on a pedestal. If that makes sense, like you no, guys yeah, should be the upper right. echelon. I mean, you know what I mean?
2: you hear Iowa. I mean, it is called the land of the giants. So you know, people want to see pictures of your, you know, all your big deer, but. I mean, Eric, he's only healing started bow hunting a few years ago, before like maybe two years before the podcast started. Yep. He's got a nice one with his bow, but it's it's not as easy as everyone thinks it is.
1: No, man. It's still hunting. Like, um, I think I was an anomaly when I went to Iowa in 19 because I had the best six days of my life. Um, Not a lot of people. I I saw, uh, I think it was five bucks over 140 all within bow range. And two of them, one was in the 170s and the other one was the one I end up killing was in the mid-180s. Um, like, that doesn't happen. Like, no, that's that's just hitting hitting it at the right time and getting really lucky. Like, I'm yeah, not saying that, that's there's...
2: That's just, like, prime time and just, um, That's right every star aligning, <laughs> you know. It could happen, but and, and rarely do you ever hear about that. <laughs> I know.
1: Have you ever had anything like that, though? You know, where things are just lining up, you know, for a certain amount of time or like one day, one sit, where it's just like you're just seeing every shooter on the farm. Have you ever had that happen?
2: i had it. Um, the one year I killed that 170 with my bow with a 17 and a half inch G2. With a what? Um, a 17 and a half inch G2. 17
1: and a half inch G2?
2: Yeah. If you would have been a typical eight porner, you would have been. Like one seventy something as an eight pointer, but he had a five point side that I mean Kurt actually scored on He netted one thirty five, that's how many deductions he had. Holy shit. Yeah, that's why nets are for fishing.
1: It's exactly why nets are for fishing. He but grows uh, that it, you day, give it to him.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That day I probably saw fourteen bucks in one day, and I shot him at eight thirty in the morning.
1: Fourteen bucks? that day, and you shot him. So, okay, I, I get it. You didn't see 14 bucks before you shot him.
2: No, I saw some after, but okay. I mean, most of them were before. I passed up a, probably a hundred fifty inch 8.8 before him, actually. You're
1: a better man than I am. <laughs> yeah, I was kicking <laughs>
2: myself until that happened. So.
1: Oh, man, I don't know a lot of people that are passing up 150s. I'm not passing up 140s. Hell, I'm not passing up 130s in the right scenario.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's weird, actually, you know, growing up in Iowa with the stigma, but, I mean, it is true that... I usually go for 150 or bigger, yeah. And then you talk to like you know you from Michigan or someone from PA, and it's like that's just not realistic. Yeah, it's like weird growing up to hear those stories. Like oh, so it's not like this everywhere.
1: Yep. Well, and it's it's funny like you know if I see a if I see a buck that grosses I think he's gonna gross 100 inches or a little bigger, then I like kind of flip to age. I should say I shouldn't say it like that, but like I want to kill a three-year-old here in Michigan. Mm-hmm. I want to kill a three-year-old, but like I really don't have. I guess the only criteria I really have is like he's got to get me going. If I see him and I'm like, "Yep, I'm gonna kill him," then then yeah, I'm gonna do that. Last year I actually had an October second. I did like a blind hanging hunt set up on my family farm in a uh, Oak Ridge, and. I heard a twig snap. I was filming myself. I look back and I see a frame, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" And he was in the thick stuff. And I'm like, "Man, what is that?" And I, I initially I said shooter, and mm. he's just eating on acorns and ever whatever, whatever. And I knew he was gonna work my way because I was between him and the destination food. I just didn't know if he was gonna get to me before you know day or before dark hit. And uh, he kind of come out, and I looked. I picked the binos up, and I looked at him. I'm like, "Ooh," I'm like. When I do the, I don't know, then I shouldn't, shoot, I shouldn't shoot him. And he came right underneath my tree. I filmed him. And I, I put him at about, right about the 100-inch mark, a gross 100-inch. But, man, he was a puppy dog. Like, I couldn't put him any any days over two and a half. I could not put him over that. And I was like, I just, he didn't excite me, you know. And it was like, I let him walk and, um. A lot of people are thinking, like, oh, yeah, it's a 100-inch deer. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty few far in between here in the area where I'm hunting. But um, if I if I do that, I don't know, kind of movement to myself, I'm like, nope, I shouldn't be shooting. I, I've got to be for sure right off the get, like, okay, shooter, you know.
2: Yeah, I, I'm the exact same way. Um, I passed up some pretty good deer that uh, I probably should have shot. But if I do the, you know, the, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't touch one of I'll. Uh... Yep. I'll make sure not because if you touch your bow, then you start leaning towards the other way.
1: Exactly. You start talking yourself into it.
2: Yeah. Are I, try, you, I try staying away from that. Yep. Yeah. Are
1: you going out of state at all to hunt whitetails?
2: Um, I don't think so. I think, or have uh, you, I guess I should I, say. I, I had before. Um, I went to Kentucky when I was in high school one time. Okay. And this was deep, deep in Kentucky. It was, um, like you go to a restaurant, I can't understand what anyone's saying. How bad it is. <laughs> it was interesting, It was uh, during I used a rifle too. It was the first time I used a rifle, I ended up shooting a doe. But
1: okay, I, I get, don't think never go back
2: there, but I guess what, Kentucky. But
1: <laughs> I guess what I'm getting at is what you know. If you were going to let's say Missouri, Kansas, Illinois, something like that, and you know another big buck state, are you changing your criteria at all? Like, are, what are you looking for when you're going out of
2: state? I actually did go to Missouri once too with uh, Philip Vanderpool. Okay. The hunt. And uh, there were some good deer there, but I never, we never saw them. And you know, it's only a week, so I guess my criteria would go down a little bit, you know, because you paid to hunt there, so
1: right. Yep.
2: You know, one thirty or something walks by, probably shoot it, but you have high hopes. Going out, going on, do a deer camp. You know, in your head, you like. Oh, I'm gonna kill a one sixty on film, it'd be awesome. Right. But it's not like that. Yeah. You learn real quick that uh all those hunts you see on T V don't go like that.
1: No, they do not. And it's tough. Like I mean, like you said, growing up in Iowa, living in Iowa, being the big buck state. I mean, you've killed some big deer, but it's it doesn't happen every every year like that, you know?
2: Yeah, it's hard to convince me to hunt somewhere else. I mean, I'd rather go kill a mule deer or an elk hopefully someday but
1: yep i could see that you know me being in michigan i love traveling out of state i love hunting michigan do not get me wrong i love hunting whitetails Mm. in michigan um but i do look forward to traveling out of state i mean um i've been very fortunate to kill some pretty good deer out of state
2: uh you got some monsters
1: well not as big as the deer you're killing you (laughs) guys are killing but um i've been i've been okay but you know, one state that's really got me, well, actually two states that really got me hooked is Illinois and Ohio are the two states that I've been to that um, that I've hunted and have not killed a buck in. So I think I'm going to hunt Illinois this year. So I'm really hoping to change that luck this year. I'm
2: hoping. Yeah, nothing against Illinois. I mean, I mean Ross Bigger, hell, he killed a 200-incher this year. I mean, they're awesome, you know, Trad they're and them, and they're all stacking them down. But, I mean, over-the-counter tags, I, I would go to Iowa, too. I mean, Illinois, sorry.
1: Yep. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm hoping to come back to Iowa. I, I drew in 19, so 22 or 23, I think. I'm hoping to go
2: back. Yeah, I'm actually not mad about the point system for Iowa. I and mean, I think we'd be flooded if they did over-the-counter.
1: Uh, it would be a bad deal. I'm glad – as much as I hate being a non-resident, I'm glad it is the way it is because, right. you know, I went there in 19 with the goal, I wanted to shoot a 140 inch deer. I, I wanted mm-hmm. it to be a four-year-old 140 inch deer was going to be like, had to be bigger than that. And, um, boy, I surpassed that. And, um, honestly, I was going to kill a deer, a nine point that was, I figured to be in the low one fifties, um couple days before i killed the deer i ended up killing and dude that deer had me going uh (laughs) i wanted him so bad (laughs) but no now i I honestly and i was talking to jeremy back about this on our podcast about how and actually maybe i was talking to him off the podcast but um you know i feel like i've killed my deer of the lifetime you know what i mean like Mm-hmm. you know you you accomplished that now it's like now it's all gravy you know everything from here like yeah I, I hope to be able to do that again or maybe one bigger you know who knows but like, i feel like it's all gravy from here like i can enjoy it like some of the some of the the self-inflicted pressures off a little bit you know like you've done it sure so like yeah. Have you felt like that? You know, you've killed some really good deer, a couple really big ones. Like, Do you feel like there's self-inflicted pressure or pressure from your family or friends or anything or being on the Working Class Bowhunter podcast? Is there any pressure from that?
2: Uh, I do feel like there is some pressure that gets put on you, you know, being on the podcast and then um, just family rivalries, talking shit. Oh, yeah. But uh, you never know. I mean, we're young. It could always happen. You don't yeah. know what could happen. I mean those two inch could be around the corner. Who knows? I think
1: I think we should do a bet. <laughs> I don't know, a gentleman's bet or whatever you want to do, but I I don't know we could do it between you and I or whoever, you're in Iowa, I'm in Michigan. First guy to kill a two hundred inch deer between the two of us, the other guy has to buy that guy a beer. I mean that's pretty fair, right?
2: Yeah. I'll uh <laughs> I'll raise you. You gotta buy buy him a thirty pack. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, okay.
1: I mean don't go too <laughs> far. All right. You know. You guys don't have to pay tax pay out in Iowa, do you? Me.
2: Huh? Do you guys have to
1: pay uh deposit out in Iowa? I think you do. Do you have to pay uh, a deposit? I think so. Yeah, we're ten cent. I think you might be five cent. Is that true? I'm just mm. I don't know why I came up with I that. that a lot of a lot of a lot of states you don't have to pay deposit. In Michigan we do, so 30 packs only what, 22 bucks? 30 pack of bush lattes.
2: I think ours is $0.10 cent deposit.
1: Is it? I know some are $0.05.
2: Cent. I'm looking at this. Right, look at this beer real quick. Oh, we're $0.05. Cents. Never mind. I lied.
1: Yep, you are. Connecticut, Hawaii, Iowa, uh, New York, Virginia, $0.05. Cents. Michigan, Oregon, $0.10. Cents. Michigan, Oregon, $0.10. Cents. There you go. Yeah, well, I th- I say we virtually handshake on that. We'll do that. and. <laughs> you you gotta bet just a gross boon i mean we're not talking typical or nets i'm talking gross talking
2: gross i actually um i can probably tell this year since my neighbor killed it um i was for three years i've been trying to chase down a 12 pointer on the parents farm and uh my neighbor actually killed a muzzleloader this year oh And he was nice enough to let me score it for him, too. So uh, I scored it at 195 as a typical 12-pointer.
1: A typical 12-point?
2: Yeah, with double brows. So he probably, he gross, well, I scored him at 195 gross. So That one hurt a little bit.
1: Man. You know, I've seen some pretty big deer, even like filming, you know, when I wasn't hunting, we've been on some pretty big deer. And Mm. I feel like when they get to like that, Mid to upper 160s to the low 170s, it is really hard to score them on the hoof. Is that something you've
2: (laughs) it's so hard after you know, like you said, 160s? It's they could be anywhere. I mean, you see a 200 deer, you probably know it's over 200, but from 200 down to 160, it's a a hard one to judge.
1: So hard, and I feel like we had one deer in Kansas a couple years ago, we figured he'd fall, probably in the mid-190s, but it was so... When you get from, like, 190 to 200, it's like, man, I mean... Yeah, you're, like, just growing antlers on his beam, like, oh, just get another (laughs) one. Just get another one. You know? So tough. But, I mean, that's a hard problem to to have, though, too.
0: Yeah, I know. You hate to see it, right?
1: (laughs) You really hate to see it. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, we're coming up on time here. Um, I'm trying to think. I... Dude, I love this podcast. Love the conversation. A Little different. Yeah, little turkey good. hunt. Little BS session. Um and i was nice
2: sit sitting bullshit, you know. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> glad I could still professional on the podcast.
1: Well, 100%. You got to stay professional. I'm I'm glad I was the guy that could pop the cherry for you. Um Yeah, it was nice. It's great. Did you have a good time? Was it a was it a, a great good time, experience? Yeah. Was it better than the working class bowhunter experience? Oh,
2: I don't know. I got some good ones. <laughs>
1: No, you guys got a great thing going over there. And, and <laughs> Thanks, uh, I, list- I like it. I appreciate it, man. I listen to everyone you guys do. Um, love everything you guys are doing. I've been listening to it for a long time. And I look up to you guys. So I, I thank you a lot for coming on and doing this, man.
2: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. For sure. I didn't fall asleep, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ask some different questions to you. So. <laughs> well, we'll have to do this again after you kill your bird. This spring, so let me know when you killed your bird. I'll I'll see when you kill your bird, so let's do it.
2: Yeah, I got two bow tags in Iowa and then uh, a bow tag for Turkey Palooza in Illinois.
1: There you go. Go go double up in Iowa, and then go over to Turkey Palooza and kill one there. There and, you go. And man. we'll we'll have is a. Is that hell easy, a, right? It is. It really is, especially when you have a mustache like yourself, and you basically <laughs> pit, <laughs> I
2: think it's a beard, so they come <laughs> running in.
1: There you go. That's a secret. You basically you basically wake up and piss excellence every day, don't you? No, nah, I mean, just knowing that you're your the greatest. Your worst not mine. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering why Kurt hasn't made a shirt with your face on the front of the shirt with the mustache. I just don't
2: understand it. I mean, it, it, it could be in the works. I don't I don't want to throw anything out there. But <laughs> Let me know that, when that, the pre-orders happen.
1: <laughs> well, good deal, man. <laughs> Thank you very much again, and I appreciate doing this.
2: Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me.
1: And there you have it. Another great episode. Thank you, Doug, for coming on and doing this, man. Really greatly appreciate that. Thank you to everybody out there listening for all the support, all the downloads, and thank you for allowing me to be possibly a mental vacation for all you guys week in and week out. So thank you, everybody. Uh, don't forget, go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, and leave a written review. That would be greatly appreciated. And don't forget, go to imhumanual.com, Check out all our new stories. There's new content up every week, 989 Gobbler Club, The One Acre, The Great Hambino, The Birth of the 6'8 Western from Winchester, and Searching for Sundown. Those are the stories live right now. We're getting ready to go live with more stories, so that's it. That's all I got for this week. Uh, I guess we'll see you right here next week on the Fall Podcast. Thank you, guys.